This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Real GM Radio. This is Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. A little bit different for this one. The Golden State Warriors are the 2022 NBA champions, and I originally intended to have the great Tim Kalkami and Marcus Thompson, who of course do Warriors Plus Minus and are colleagues of mine at The Athletic, on together to talk about the Warriors, the championship, legacy, and all that. And instead, it ended up being two separate conversations. The first is going to be with Tim Kalkami and then with Marcus Thompson, and really enjoyed it. Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. You can use that CLNS50 code for a 50% welcome bonus and tell them that it came from us. And really enjoyed the conversation with Tim. It st- ends abruptly. There was a tech issue. That's kind of how, how this ended up being two separate conversations instead of one. So this conversation is a little bit over 10 minutes, and then I'll have Marcus on after that. So just be prepared for it to end a little bit abruptly, but it's a great conversation. Thanks so much for coming on. You got it. Anytime. I think the place to start here is I, I've been, you know, thinking about how things ended and thinking about all this as, as of course you have you've written written well at the athletic talked about it well as well and what i've been focusing on is the idea that each kind of moment especially a championship kind of recontextualizes everything else that came before it and so like i think now with the warriors winning a post durant championship with winning a, a championship with a lot of their best players though far from all of them being that original trio that it it does make me think about the whole run a little bit differently yeah i think it enriches everything i think that's what the warriors themselves are kind of going through the victory for sure uh, the, the executives I think, you know, those of us who've been around it the whole time, the fans who kind of were there before it and at the beginning and, and now at this point, I think it enriches certainly Steph Curry's just the way you look at him, the way you look at Draymond and Clay and Steve Kerr uh, go on from Myers to, and on, on down. But it's just like, okay, yeah, wait a minute. This thing that started in 2014 or actually started in 20, what, 20, oh, 2009 when they drafted Curry, when he did not want to come to the Warriors. No, uh, he did not. I'd like to point out. Uh, and it just like there was, this was the beginning of the story. It wasn't, you know, in, out, change, uh-oh, wait a minute, didn't work, oh you know, and, and they were fortunate that the championship happened when it did. Steve Kerr's first season, I mean, they kind of alleviate some of the pressures. Kerr talks about that. That's what a title does. It kind of takes the pressure off of players where they're not thinking, you know, Steph's not 29 and thinking, God, I got to win a title. He's won at 26, I believe. Draymond's not, you know, 30. Oh, man, I got better figure out. We've seen what that pressure does to players. We've seen that what that pressure does to franchises. Uh, certainly the executives and certainly the owners. I think the first one kind of like, okay, there's something here. It's right. It can go for a while. Don't know. Uh, then the succeeding years, you know, you win 73 and lose in the finals, you know, 
we all understand what ha- happened there. Makes it appealing to Kevin Durant. They you know, they win those two, but then this one I think is the yes, it connects to 2014-15. I think that's what a lot of people appreciate about that. The the Durant years are outliers. They're properly outliers. They were special. They were awesome to behold. They were different, but within the context of this whole thing, though, also you can you know that my favorite thing I'm quoting is they've been to three finals and won two championships without Durant, and they went to two uh, three finals and won two championships with Durant. There's a symmetry there that connects to the whole. The whole is that it started with Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Uh, Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr, and I think that's the sad, most satisfying part of this is that this is a continuity of something that we all saw start and we saw the possibilities in, and it is now cashing out in in, in a humongous way. Exactly, and the idea that we will never know exactly what would have happened not only with the Warriors but with the NBA more broadly if the 2016 through 2021, you know, especially through 2019, Golden State Warriors teams do not have. Kevin Durant. And it's not like they, you know, maybe they would have, I don't, maybe they would have kept Harrison Barnes. My theory has long been that they would have signed Gordon Hayward when that became available, but it could have, it could have been any number of other things. And while Kevin Durant deserves all the credit in the world, deserving finals MVP, integral part of those championships, this is a, an important data point that, yeah, they, they would have been really, really good. And you don't know how Durant being somewhere else changes the picture. It was always one of the big sales points for the Warriors organizationally has to have been. It's like, well, if he's with you, then he's also not with anybody else, but also he's helping you win. And so I think that now it is very hard to argue against the idea that if the key players on the Warriors had been healthy, they would have been at minimum firmly in the mix. And as a bunch of teams can tell you, being firmly in the mix does not guarantee a championship any year or every year. But being firmly in the mix is a statement in and of itself. No question. You know, you know, as you make a good point, they would have had to go up to had beat Durant in some of those years. Right. And they found it quite hard to do. Uh, they did it in 2016, but they, they, they did not want to experience that very often. So it's, it's all part of the larger scheme, you know, and, and I guess my easy way out of it is saying the only way it was possible for Durant to want to come here is because the culture was so great, because right. Steph Curry was a superstar you could share the stage with. And you just can't say that about, other, you, know, you know, maybe Kyrie, but, you know, Kyrie's not quite at that level. And we'll see how long that lasts. And they haven't won a championship or, have, or even come close. It just It's just part of the greater picture. And, and I think I wrote this as like, it's pretty... You're a pretty major figure to make Kevin Durant just a chapter in your story, not the whole thing. Like that, there's not. Look what it, you know. The Oklahoma City Thunder are still the post Durant Oklahoma City the Thunder, right? They might end up being great at some point, but him leaving changed them forever. Durant joined the Warriors when they were really great, and he left the Warriors and they were great again. You know that that is not a slight on Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I will never. I mean, Kevin Durant is an incredible player. He might be the most talented player in the league still, but the Steph Curry age is. So 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 powerful it's so significant that it took in kevin durant and he was great for, for three years and he left and they redid it with most of the main players still there and they're great again they're not the same kind of great right they're they're certainly different but that is the uh, the looming you know historical impact of this is what i believe is that they made the kevin durant years just a chapter not not the whole story the story begins and it ends 
and it continues with Steph Curry. And that will go down. You know, I, I don't love talking legacies in the middle of careers. Uh, we didn't know Steph Curry was going to do this at age 34. That changes it. So I, I, I like to kind of see the broad picture. But I will say after this, and I know people will squawk, but I, I would move Curry ahead of Durant. I would move Curry ahead of Durant. I just think it's just there on paper. Like, look at look what's done. He's done historically uh, and and still is going. And I, I would put I would give the Warriors a better chance to win another one than I would Brooklyn. I don't think there's a question about that. So I, yeah, I mean, just, especially it, considering it, 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 the uncertainty with Brooklyn versus the uncertainty with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, the Warriors' principles are almost all under contract. The ownership group has shown a willingness to spend. We can at some point we might talk about some of the the elements that are still to be decided and still in place for this franchise. You know, what the big decisions to come. But they have they have a lot of things in place. And like, I mean, on on the most basic point, the Golden State Warriors are championship caliber right now, and the Brooklyn Nets almost definitely are not, and we don't know how they can get from A to B, and and so the, and there is so much that that is tied in with knowing that you're there, and I mean the recently crowned champions obviously do, and and so I think that the like, I mean Stephen Curry is such such a fascinating figure now, kind of thinking about, and I, I I'm not enough of a basketball historian to tie it in, and this is not going to be a top fifteen, top ten players of all time podcast, but what I like, to, damn, damn, come on now. <laughs> But but so what I I think yeah what what I think is you know like the definitive to me moment like the the thing that is Steph Curry's like defining moment of his career is the fifteen sixteen unanimous MVP the best regular season team of all time and because you can't take that away it's one of the best individual offensive seasons in the history of the NBA and it was also the driving force behind the greatest regular season team in history and you have that but there's a difference between like your greatest on court achievement and your like kind of what makes you unusual what makes you special and i've always thought and you and i talked about this presumably on in person but definitely like definitely in person possibly on a podcast like that's what makes stephen curry special among elite players is though that personality the elements of the culture that are him and i mean the the fact that kevin durant even considered and you know the hamptons meetings and everything else like that joining the team that had just been the greatest regular season team of all time and that had an established megastar that just won the MVP two times in a row, that is not a circumstance that either party, either Durant or Curry, you know, usually one of the two would veto, if not both. And the fact that Durant was willing to take that step, and there are a bunch of reasons why he did it, is, I would say that's another, It's it might be arguably what makes Steph Curry more special as a force in basketball than some of the on-court stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's at least equivalent in my mind. Uh, that you just can't think of another superstar that would have worked with. You just can't. I mean, you're just going to go through it. LeBron, I la- you know, laughable that that would have happened. Uh, you know, any other Duncan, I guess, you know, theoretically, but he wouldn't have won. I don't think Durant would have wanted to join San Antonio. Uh, you know, there's, you just can go through it and just say, this is unique in the history of basketball. Unique. Uh, and, you know, we all know happened. There was the, the salary cap fight. I mean, all these issues, but the Warriors were certainly primed and, and had planned for two years for this. So that was unique. Um, the Warriors lost the you know, game seven to Cleveland. If they had won game seven, I don't think Durant would have wanted to come to a multi-year champion. He, you know, he wanted to get help them get, get a championship. It's all these different pieces, but the idea that a, you know, top three superstar would want to join and be, you know, asked to join by another top three superstar is a mind-blowing idea and only possible because of Steph Curry. Only, only, only possible. 
possible. And also only possible because of Kevin Durant's wandering spirit. Like, when people are mad that he left, I said, this is how the Warriors got him. Like, a wandering spirit, somebody who likes different things, someone who, who you know, is unsatisfied wherever he is. And then he was unsatisfied with Oklahoma City, wanted to try the Warriors, became unsatisfied there even after two championships and the prospect of winning many more and, and left to go to Brooklyn. All these things are true, but I do believe it colors in the, the bigger picture for Steph Curry more than Durant. It's just this. And, you know, you can just put Andrew Wiggins right in there. That's like, that's how this gets completed. It's Andrew, you know, Kevin Durant agreeing to the sign and trade. It's the only way they were able to get the Angel Russell to save that salary slot. Uh, we've all written about it seven months later to trade Russell for Andrew Wiggins and the draft pick that becomes Jonathan Kaminga, which is going to be one of the greatest trades of all time. As Joel Jacob said right off the bat, and he was turns out he's going to be right. Uh, and Andrew Wiggins, you know, very opposite of Durant, didn't need no, you know, needed the career burnishment. Was not considered a great, great player. In fact, considered an incredibly disappointing player. And he goes two plus years with the Warriors, and he's it, it, they do not win the championship without him. Do not. And it's not just because the system is right for him; it's because the, the whole culture is right for him. It's because Steph Curry is right for him. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry again down the line. And I, I have spotlighted that vaccination decision because it was happening in front of us. It was in public. He did not want to take the, the shot. He said a press conference and emotionally did not want to take the shot, was stubbornly saying he's probably not going to take the shot. His back's against the wall. What do the Warrior players do? They support him. They support him. They support him. Whatever is best for him, they support him and quietly nudge him to, guess what, take the shot. And so he's eligible for home games. Uh, that wasn't, and that might not have turned out to be the most important thing. Obviously, the policy whatever, but it was just a sign of what this team is. Can you imagine him doing him doing that on a LeBron team? I mean, we saw what happened to, to, to Brooklyn with Kevin Durant on the team, with Kyrie. It's just unique, and I keep saying that because we're in the middle of it. Sometimes we don't understand how unique it is. This is a team that we cover. This is a team that we're around. This does not happen on every team. In fact, it happens on almost no other team, certainly with the egos of this high. Certainly, there have been issues you know, Draymond and Duran and whatever, but they the common good is the emphasis, the the collective. I've written this, you know, Kevin Durant's singular, the Warriors are plural. And he didn't like that very much, but I keep going back to it. And other players are saying Kyrie Irving is a singular thing. There are, LeBron is a singular thing. The Warriors are collective. And why they're collective is because Steph Curry wants it that way. Apologies again to you, the listener, and also, of course, to Tim for the abrupt interruption that. But thank you so much to Tim Kawakami for taking the time to come on. And switching between Tim and Marcus actually gives me an opportunity to talk about betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NHL finals, the Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even the early NFL futures for the coming season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus, and that's by using the code CLNS50. And you can remember the 5-0 because it's a 50% welcome bonus, and use that CLNS50 code to get the bonus and get in on the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Now we can move into my conversation with Marcus Thompson, excellent writer for The Athletic, author of 
Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, KD, and his Dynasties book from 2021. And great conversation about not only this Warriors team, but also putting them in context and what what re- echoed the previous championships in the run, what was entirely different this time, and also some nuances of, of these finals in particular. I thought it was a really great conversation. This part of it runs just about a half an hour, and I absolutely loved it. Hope you love it too. Thanks for coming on. My honor, sir. I was I was just talking to your one of your frequent podcast partner and we were having this conversation about how this championship like to me it kind of changes the context of all of the all of the what preceded it and you know now this is a post Durant championship it is a championship where the Warriors were driven not exclusively but by their three best players and the same coach and everything does it make you think about the last you know six seven years a little bit differently not really um I I guess in that sense it validates how we thought about them it was more it's more confident confirmation than it is an alteration um and keep in mind i've watched him from the beginning like even before occur so i don't think really anything is different uh in many ways they've been essentially determined like the core of this team like and when i say core i'm talking about steph clay draymond uh igadala kevon looney steve kerr right bob myers well, you can take Myers out of it. But the core of, of this team is often or has been essentially dictated by the the people around them. Like they've been the constants, but I think we kind of start judging them or determine their value by, you know, either Harrison Barnes or, you know, uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Right now it's Wiggins. But to me, what this proves is that it was kind of them all along and it's their system it's how they play. And the effectiveness of it or the de- the degree of effectiveness is essentially contingent upon like how well they match the pieces around him. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, if if Harrison Barnes is, you know, a better if he shoots better in 2016, you know, we're we're talking about this this group the same way we are now, except, you know, they got Kevin Durant that really kind of supercharged it. But the core principles, the the philosophy, how they play, the resilience, like how they're tougher than than they appear uh, and the versatility of how they can attack you. Like all of that stuff has been the same level of true the entire time. <laughs> right. So this was more confirmation that what we've been watching was actually what we thought we were watching. Right. And the idea that the non, like if the, if Kevin Durant never joins the Warriors, they would have firmly been in the mix. They could have even been beyond that. And I think that something you and I appreciate, something that a lot of us who are around it, that gets lost sometimes because of the Splash Brothers and because Steph Curry's brilliance is, I think, of a key part of their foundation being defense. And you brought up, you know, when we're talking about the players yep. who are in that core, Draymond, obviously, but Looney and Iguodala, and then they've often had other capable defense defenders around it like in this vintage it's Wiggins and Gary Payton the second and it's been there have been plenty of players kind of in that before and Clay was a huge part of their defense before and so what makes the Warriors special it is of course you know Steph Curry is unbelievable it's also being able to defend versatilely and to do so at an extremely high level so that your offense can can do well enough to, to kind of keep you through it but that you're gonna you I mean we saw it in this series against the Boston Celtics like once the Warriors figured 
figured out how to defend them and drag the Celtics into the mud, there wasn't a ton that, that they it, could do, yeah. even when the Celtics were hitting a lot of their threes. And and, and we've seen it, right? Like, yeah. Danny, we've sat there and watched this happen before. Uh, and almost to the point where it was like, I feel like an idiot for not knowing this was about to happen with 100% certainty, right? <laughs> like, we watched this once they figure it out. And, and still, even after, you know, uh, eight years, people still have a hard time to, to look at what we're watching because it's just such a different way to control a team. Like, we're used to the shot blocker cutting off the paint, you know, incredible on-ball defense, like where it, it's only good on-ball defense if the person is getting his pocket picked, right, or he, or he can't move and he's got to give up the ball. Like we 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 just like our defense in a very particular way. Otherwise, we don't recognize it. And we sat here this entire series and put and, and essentially like put all this blame on Jason Tatum and all this fault on the Celtics offense, not even recognizing that they were facing a perennially elite defense. And this is what they do. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> right? and, and like I mean, <laughs> and I mean, there might be no greater kind of statement of that difference than the turnover stuff. And absolutely, there's all this. Oh, you know, and and. You know, I separate forced and unforced errors kind of like in tennis. And, there, you know, no team throws unforced turnovers quite like the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, Curry, right. throws, Curry throwing a behind-the-back pass to no one. Draymond throwing a hit-head pass about 20 yards past. Those sorts of things. And Boston had their share. But a lot of those were guys in the passing lane, stunting off late, getting help there. And you have to give credit to the defense. And because a guy makes a pass that gets intercepted, sure, a portion of that is blamed for the passer. But it's also credit to the deflection, to the interceptor, however it's going to go. And a lot of times when offense looks bad, especially with the success that we saw Jason Tatum and all these other players have against yeah. good teams over the last couple of rounds. I mean, Jason Tatum had some huge, huge games against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Bucks are Monster damn good. Yeah. And so, sure, a part of it is variance. But another part of it is facing a really good defense and importantly, a really good defense that attacks you differently than some of the other really good defenses. And Absolutely. the Celtics just never found their rhythm and i would i would i would posit that even a portion of unforced turnovers are are forced like in uh indirectly i i know a, one of the reasons the warriors make these type of passes is are is because they feel the pressure and it's so important for them to get out transition right so when you will ordinarily be like hey let's run our offense because it, it can be so tough against these teams like memphis who pressure them non-stop on the perimeter it, it makes them say we gotta force transition which while while so while on that play nobody's forcing the turnover the mindset created by the defense that hurries them up makes you say hey there might be an opportunity for a transition i'm gonna force that pass when otherwise i wouldn't so and I think there's a lot of footsteps created by great defense, a lot of ghosts heard by great defense that also impacted. And I think that's what happened with Boston. You know, they're driving and and and, and when you don't necessarily have the answer, like it, it isn't that clear what you should do with the rock. So you almost end up doing exactly what the defense wants you to do. I, I think one thing Boston learned in this series, especially playing against the Warriors, you just have to have a counter. You you, you can't do the same thing. And then when they take it away, you don't have nowhere else to go. And that's the spot they found themselves in. They didn't have anywhere else to go offensively. It's like, yo, we're going to drive. And if we're not getting the call and not getting free throws out of it, we kind of don't have a counter. And we saw this with Houston. 
We've seen it with just about every team. Once the Warriors figured you out, you got to have another way to attack them. And they just didn't or they didn't try it or they didn't believe in it in that sense. And that's when you knew, like, they got them figured out. Like, And once Draymond figures you out on defense and Steph figures you out on offense, that's the series. <laughs> like, that's ball game, right? Like, there's, there's nothing else you can do. And the reason Steph is in, you know, game four yelling at the crowd in the first quarter and, and with 18 minutes left pointing to his ring finger is because he knew. He knew. They're like, they can't guard me. And then Draymond knew I can like I got this. We 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 know exactly what to do. They started forcing them dudes left and they just didn't have a counter. It's a fantastic point. And you look back at some of those Warriors series where it looked like they were in trouble. And sure, sure, in some of them there was context, like Kyrie and Kevin Love getting hurt in 15. Like, yeah, 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 there there are some of Chris those. Paul getting hurt. Yeah, there are some of those too. But also there is this general pattern that one of two things happens with the Warriors in playoff series. Either they do well early and then just give up a game that happened a couple of times in these playoffs and full, full <laughs> right. credit to those teams for taking those but you know like that game four against dallas game four against denver like and those teams played game hard. They five just, against memphis yeah down no, that, that was yeah. that was a that was in that vein too and it went it went off the rails and then the other one is the okay you're a good opponent we need some time to figure it out and then and then there's the sea change and and then everything goes and that's i think the part of the 2015 finals that gets lost in the shuffle and like you and i you know i attended all of those games and i remember seeing it and all of a sudden the warriors offense made sense and also they got more comfortable i mean lebron james is an unbelievable player especially at that time and you're not going to take everything away from him but the equilibrium in the series was fundamentally different in games three through six in 15 and like i mean you could go back to that memphis series yeah, in 15 yeah. and it's just like they it sometimes takes some time but once they get there it takes a lot to it takes a lot to kind of beat them and it's a it's it's an accomplishment in a lot of different fronts and it also i mean and i think we saw some of this with the celtics i mean it was it felt like a throwback to me um where oftentimes it happens around game five where the, you can see the other team and i wish i had you know like the media access gets can sometimes get a little bit tough with covid you kind of start to see the breaks for the other team it's like well we don't have anything left like we've we've done what we can including players right including players <laughs> like we've we've done we've 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 done the counters that we have we've done everything else and there's nobody else on the bench we can turn to right? exactly <laughs> and and nobody on the bench you can turn to i think is a fantastic kind of transition into one of the other kind of key points for me in this finals and like it was fun you know nate and i were doing the games that we didn't go to in person on playback and like there were times where people were like oh man you know like al horford he's looking old and all this type of stuff and i was thinking about like steph curry is an unbelievable player but a part of what makes stephen curry special among special players is the way that he can functionally take players off the floor in a different way. And so I love Luca. I think Luca is a budding super duper star. But Luca, because of how he plays, he doesn't do as much of like, oh crap, we can't have this guy on the floor. Whereas Stephen Curry, the not basically every big that wasn't Robert Williams, it was just like, oh crap, like what are we gonna do here? And so you saw It was so bad, yeah. Warford <laughs> and Grant Williams, who had fantastic playoffs and had some really good moments against other really good teams. And so Steph Curry, because of what he does offensively and how you have to defend him, he narrows the field for opponents in terms of who you can play when he's on the floor in a way that very few other guys do. And, and you know, at the core of it, 
is like a Steve Kerr philosophy that it just simply it, it works. It, it's a long it's a long con, right? It's a long game, but they just simply don't believe isolation players will beat them. They just really don't. They think they don't believe you can you can do that for six seven games in the series and hold up. Uh, and if you do that against their you know four or five prong attack, right, where multiple guys against you, like it's going to wear on you. And I and I think that's what we saw. Like and, and whatever choice Eme made, the Warriors had a different plan for it. Whereas they they on defense they didn't really have to deal with that. There was no other way to operate. It was it was Tatum, it was Jalen Brown, maybe Marcus Smart creating and then trying to operate off that creation. And that just the Warriors just don't believe you will beat them that way. Whereas the moment Robert Williams left the game and it was like a Horford only, right? Or or they even went smaller than that. It was automatically all right. Pick and roll. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and when Robert Williams in the game, then all right, motion offense off the ball. Uh, or the moments where Marcus Smart, when they would put Poole and Curry together, or Smart was in foul trouble and got off Steph, and it was Derek White. Now it's back to ball in the Steph hands attack. And when it was Smart off, when Smart was on Steph, they immediately go off the ball and start running their sets. And they believe that the versatility and diversity of attack is how you sustain for a seven game series. And if you don't have that, it's kind of tough. It's just it's just tough to constantly be great in isolation and and heavy, heavy usage rates against them. And it, it feels unnatural sometimes. You know me, Danny. I'm like, yo, put the ball in Steph's hands and quit playing. Yeah. Like, stop no, messing around. Go, go back to the Novocaine. <laughs> yes, mean. like Novocaine. Maybe it always works. But, but you watch these other players just kind of get grinded down against the Warriors, right? Because, and the truth is, when you're going ISO, you're dealing with the guy that's guarding you, and you're dealing with Draymond. Yep. No matter what, you're dealing with whoever's defending you, and in this case, it's Andrew Wiggins, who was incredible, and you're dealing with Draymond. And they're just banking on the fact that eventually that's just going to be too much for you. Uh, so, and, and, you're, and, like, and they're betting that Draymond Green is going to be simultaneously of able to affect the ISO guy and still not lose his guy where the pass is going to be there. Like, And if you try to make the pass, he'll probably deflect that too. And it's a part of why so many of the other imitators, attempted duplicators of the Warriors kind of small ball lineups, whether you want to call it the death lineup or any of the other ones, why the Warriors groups have worked so much better than almost everybody else is that you need to be able to protect the Draymond. You need to be able to help and to have what Draymond does beyond all of his other individual brilliance is he puts the other defenders in a position to succeed. And so Andrew Wiggins, it's like, okay, your job is to stick with Jason Tatum. We'll give you the scouting report on like kind of where to send him, where to not. And then we're going to figure out the rest of it. And the Warriors also, the communication is at a different level than basically any other team I've ever seen defensively. And they also, and I had a long conversation earlier in the playoffs, I think that was with, with Rob Mahoney, about the the weakest defender you have on the floor being so important for your overall defense because it can give the other team a place to attack and everything like that. And Absolutely. Steph yeah. Curry is not a perfect defender, but he always tries hard. He executes the scheme and you teams go after him because that's your best path, but they're not succeeding going after Steph Curry the way they are when they're going after Trey Young or even at very specific times, Luka. And so that makes him special among those guards is that partially, you know, he has more help. He has help that is attuned that understands what's going on. But if your weakest defender is also your best offensive player and he's trying hard and he's not going to kill you, then it makes everything else 
more palatable defensively. And the 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 difficulty is always is the rate you have to kill him is tough to reach when you throw in what he's going to do on the other end. It's not enough just to have the advantage over Steph because now you've turned your entire offense into going one-on-one with Steph. And you have to be so efficient at that on like a points per possession scale to match the Warriors on the other end. And and I think that's the problem. I, at, at every point, the greatest the greatest part about Steph Curry's defense is not the stops he get. It's his willingness to be a to be like tough even when he's getting cooked. Because all that does, and they know this, if your if your offense is going at Steph, you just will not score enough to beat the Warriors. It's not going to happen because every time you don't convert, it's a problem. You just went against the weakest link, and he got a strip or he got a stop. You just have to make such a high rate of those possessions because if you don't, they're going on the other end and you're feeding them. Uh, and to me, that, that that's where it's like they 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 hope you do it. Mm-hmm. They they hope you do it. They hope that like like when 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 Boston won. The Warriors were overhelping. The ball was moving around, and they got open threes. Like that's that's what kills them. It's the it's it's because they don't have a rim protector. They have a tendency to get extra protective of the paint, and it makes them vulnerable to open threes. We saw it against Memphis. Well, Memphis, they were just basically giving it to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we saw it against Dallas. We saw it against the Celtics. Whenever they cut off the the amount of open threes, it just puts so much pressure on you to score. It's hard to score on tough two. It's hard to outscore the Warriors with tough twos because they're going to get their transition threes. They're going to spread you out. They're going to put you in positions where they're going to get the looks, and you got to match that. So Steph knows. I don't have to stop you. I just have to be strong enough and selfless enough to take whatever's coming. And as long as I can just take it, you know, and when I take when I mean take it, this is what they're trying to teach Jordan Poole. It's like get in there and mix it up, right? Don't reach to take the bail out because you don't want to get owned, right? And, and don't and don't, don't get beat quickly because if you get beat yes, quickly, we can't absolutely. recover. Absolutely, don't get beat quickly. That's a that's a great point. Make them play defense. Know where your help is. Follow the game plan. And if they score by with their weakness, right? If he's if Steph's job is to play you left and you score and then like Draymond is ready for you to go left and the rotation is ready for when Draymond goes to help and all that. If you score on that, then tip your cap. But you got to do that. You got to get 1.3 points per possession off that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they and good, know. And good luck there. Like Exactly. And they like, know this. They know. You you could post up Al Horford on, on what you call it all you want to. You could go ISO. You could get Steph on a Jason Tatum all you want to. But you have to do it at such a high rate that – to make it worthwhile but you know and you know actually the celtics actually had a good a chance of any because they actually did a good job against the warriors offense most teams most teams couldn't match it the celtics had a good mix of we're gonna keep the warriors offense down to lower that burden lower that pressure and also their problem is they couldn't get the offense up high enough right you know they kept on a 104 that's pretty admirable against the warriors but they couldn't get high enough and that's the trade-off that the warriors always know And, and the fact that steph is in there willing to take it knowing that i'm a hold up i got the help behind me and you're not this is not going to work enough for you to beat what we about to do on the other end it becomes a losing formula off the bat you better off just playing straight up and trying to get steph to make 
to you want Steph to make the mistake leaving his guy, <laughs> leaving the shooter. That's a more likely chance than you just cooking him, cooking him, cooking him constantly in an ISO situation. And along those lines, the Celtics shot they shot well from three basically the entire series, and they shot thirty nine percent in Game Six. But they took twenty eight, and the Warriors took forty six, and the Warriors made forty percent of theirs, forty one, right? Specific, and so it's, it. it's along the line. And then one of the reasons, one of the ways that you take fewer threes is you're getting to the line a ton, or you're getting to the basket, and you're getting good shots. Probably not going to do that against the Warriors. You know, it's the it's a different answer to like for the Bucks with Mike Boonholzer. It's referred to as the math problem of you know you take away the easy shots at the rim yeah. by getting back in transition, having two big dudes there, and you don't allow as many free throws. With the Warriors, the calculus is a little bit different, but it is still really strong. It's make those shots as hard as possible, force some turnovers, and don't give them as many and don't give them as many like easy things. And when the Warriors can do that, especially if they can not let the other team get out in transition, gonna do that. And that's something that for me has always been such a bellwether for Golden State is if they are close to even in the possession game, the Warriors are extremely hard to beat. And Boston and if they win it, oh man. <laughs> if they win it, then it's a wrap. And I mean like that was a that was a key part of, of game six is like so oh, the Warriors six, yeah. the Warriors took 12 more shots from the field and four fewer free throws. Some of those free throws came late, but that still counts. And so it's like, oh, so you let the Warriors get more shots up? More shots, yes. Then because you turned the ball over and you gave up some offensive rebounds, you it makes it it makes your margin of di- your margin of difficulty so much tougher. Danny, they don't even want to be even. Steve is just like, yo, as long as they don't have more than five more shots right. than us, that's exactly. Steve's goal. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's really where where the margin is. And like we've seen teams, the teams that have threatened the Warriors the most have challenged that in different ways toronto forced turnovers and got some rebounds the Cavs were were good in a number of respects there i mean tristan had some big offensive rebound games also lebron is just a beast but it's the, well, that's, that was the surprising element to me was that boston didn't take advantage on the boards yeah only only intermittently and i think part of that's uh, just where their guys are spaced is that generally yeah, like yeah. they've gone and against most teams and i don't even know necessarily this is a bad thing because if you don't get the offensive rebound then you're dead like that's the thing about the worries if you're committed to getting the offensive rebound and you don't you're and so toast you're yeah. so toast and i think the warriors overall rebounding during these playoffs was one of their biggest surprises to me looney deserves a ton of credit but overall as a team like they were getting killed a couple times in the memphis series and they battled back typically it wasn't by playing bigger it was just having their guys do better and they were able to make that work and i also think that this is a special moment for Stephen Curry and his legacy. And you and I, you know, we've known his talent, you know, covered him for more than a decade now. But to be able to be the best player on a championship team, to be the definitive finals MVP at age 34 is a rarefied error that very few individuals have ever even come close to. Yeah, it's... It's wild when you really think about it. Um, you know, the the unique part is I feel like I don't know what it was about this time, but it was almost like Steph knew he had to be this in order for them to win. And I almost feel like he could have done this. And usually in a series, they get to the point where he's like, OK, I have to do this. But maybe maybe it's how it went the last two years. Maybe it's that Clay was coming off an injury. There's something about his mind where he was like, OK, if we're going to have any chance I got to drop at least 30, 40 points. And he was going into games with that mindset, which I think is unique. Like he would spend a lot of time off the ball. Right. He would they would start a series slow, just working the offense to see how it goes. And game one, he drops 21 in the first quarter. And I think he's like, okay, I need to get cooking. And then get a fourth quarter. They immediately go to motion offense (laughs) and they get cooked 
they they can't like match when I mean nobody could match Boston at that point. But he they were him and Steve Kerr. Whether he was asking or Steve Kerr just knew, there was more of okay, Steph, you take over than we're used to seeing. It normally happened when chips when, when things got down, right when they were a rough spot. But it was like their mindset from the outset, uh, and, and I do think that's how we like our superstars. It we is. like them and, like this, right? We and like it's, them and it's what taking over. we as basketball fans are used to. You know, it's a, my, Michael Jordan didn't take a, from what I understand. I mean, I wasn't as into basketball then, but it's like it didn't take him some time to get serious. Kobe, LeBron, it's what we're used to, and that doesn't mean you know those guys never stepped up their game. I mean, LeBron in games five through seven of the sixteen finals was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. But Curry kind of knowing knowing the situation, knowing the down and distance and saying, this is how we're going to get across the finish line was fundamentally different. And I think there was also an understanding, especially after what happened in the first two games in the series, that's like, this is a good team, but it's not a perfect team in terms of Boston. And so yes. let's do what we can, try to knock them out. And, we will, and they were confident, it seemed to me the whole time that they would figure it out. But once they did that, once it's in the page, and that's like, Nate and I were talking after game five, and it's just like, yeah, but I mean, Boston has, they, they hadn't, before that point they hadn't lost consecutive games in the entire playoffs but it's like how are they going to score like where how what is their counter and they and then they had that 14 to 2 run to start game six and then that ended up being it but yeah the, they do that though they get i mean this team gets hotter than just about any team i've ever seen like they don't have one guy get hot they all get hot together it feels like yeah it, when it, they make everything they make everything uh and it's it, it's really uh, like incredible to watch uh but i do feel like Here's what I wonder. I I do think a part of it is Steph feels strong enough, like literally physically strong enough to carry that weight. And I think Steve Kerr believed it because a lot of it is managing that relationship, right? It's Steve thinking, I don't want to wear my guy down. And Steph, like, we got to do what's best. But I think there was this belief that they gained that he could handle it physically he was ready to do it where it's like you don't need to save anything you don't need to preserve him because he's in this incredible shape and he's stronger than he's ever been i think steve saw that and was willing to go there like we could just look at the the pick and roll numbers to see like that's that's just way beyond what steve kerr is comfortable with uh we you can look at the minutes Right. Like there were some boundaries being pushed. But I think because Steph has shown how much stronger he is, how much his endurance is such a, a, a differentiator for him that they are willing to go there. And I think I do think there was Steph was like, let's go. Marcus Smart. They're going to be physical. They're going to start this way. So we don't, I'm going to let you know I'm here all series. And, and, <laughs> and on that point, also, the Celtics were better at defending Steph off ball than basically anybody we've seen recently. And so that meant, OK, you're going to you're going to chase me around on all this stuff. Then I guess I'm going to have the ball in my hands a lot more. And that ended up working out. And really they well. were less equipped to take advantage of it. When right. Steph is off the ball, too. That's the thing that the difficult part. And I do think Jordan Poole got better at it, which was a big component in this series. But once Steph got off the ball. And now that leaves somebody else with needing to create the shot, even though they got more space. The series changed when they were able to do that, whether it was I think it was game five where Wiggins just got, you know, d you know, his eyes lit up when he saw space and Derek White. He's like, this dude can't guard me. 
in space and he goes off or the Jordan Poole starts saying, hey, man, let me stop dancing and just blow by the big that's in front of me. But you have to have somebody else while Steph is off the ball who can aggressively attack. And I think Boston for a while it looked like the Warriors didn't have anybody else who could like beat their man one on one with the space that was given them. And I think when that changed, that's when the series changed because now they could flip on ball, off the ball, Steph and and, and buy him some time. Yep. But he's so strong and physical, like like he was just putting up with it all. I mean, he didn't he barely got to the free throw line all series. And I do think the refs were like let him play and I thought that was great. Like you weren't it wasn't a lot of touch fouls. It was like you had to go up strong, you had to go up hard, right? Like you you had to get blatantly fouled for it to be called. Like they weren't they weren't doing the thing where you block the shot but you get a little body down low and it was giving you the foul call. Mm-hmm. It was like, nah, that was you you got that blocked. And I and I think Steph had the like physicality to go with that and be like, All right, let's play that way. Where I think once Boston didn't get those calls it took away a major component of their game is free throws, which is interesting, right? We like the fact that Steph doesn't get to the free throw line that much didn't really hurt him. And I think it hurt Tatum a lot. I think he kind of banked. He's an ISO scorer yeah. who banks on getting to the free throw line. And without that, without getting those calls, those are that's transition the other way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Generally, that's- generally, if the refs aren't calling a lot, that helps the Warriors. Uh, last, last thing I want to say, last thing I want to talk about is there was a familiar ref- or a, a frequent refrain during the postgame stuff. Bob Myers talked about it. Draymond talked about it about this group never not getting beat. And the idea that like with everything that happened over the last couple of years with Clay and with Steph and everything else that that they hadn't. And that would informed Lakeup and Myers keeping the team together. And it also creates this fascinating dynamic moving forward because now it looks like the group's going to be together at some point. <laughs> Inevitably, someday. No, you know what's them. fascinating? Forget they're going to be together. They all go one extensions. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that 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 I think it was Instagram clip of of Poole and Wiggins saying we're going to get the bag and, and, and all that. But and and. So where it goes from here, I think that the le- like the top end of the league is going to be really strong next year. Hopefully some of these teams stay healthier. But the Warriors serve notice saying that we're still here and they've lost finals before. You know, they've lost two of the six, yeah, but yeah. it's... It's a different, it feels like a different world now than it did before, where it felt wide open and it's still wide open, but there's a different lens. The, the, you saying the Warriors invitation was back? Is that it's, what back. <laughs> it's back. It's back until somebody beats them. I, I do know this, though. Absolutely the bar to win a championship is higher. It's, it's higher than what it was um, because you know, no matter what, whether you're in the West, especially if you're in the West, you got to beat the Warriors. You just have to beat the Warriors. And that creates an entirely new bar because it being like the better team, like if, if teams are even and you could say, all right, they're a little bit better. That's just not enough. Like their experience, their how they play makes that makes that gap need to be bigger, right? To beat them, you got to be phenomenal, and that's a new bar, right? That that's just a different bar than what we've seen the last couple of years. Remember where there was a time we thought, yo, Memphis can get out the West, uh, you know, Phoenix, right? And now you look at those teams and you're like, okay, can they clear this bar? They need to do something else because this is a different bar. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun to beat Steph, Draymond, and, and Clay, and Steve Kerr, right? 
and and Andrew Wiggins and Jordan, like you're going to have to bring it. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying the team that does it needs to be phenomenal. And and I think teams know that now. In order to win a tournament, like we can't just be, we can't just get hot at the right time. In many ways, like you got to be phenomenal. You got to be ready to go against a dynasty. And I, I think that's very clear now. And it's going to impact some of these offseason moves. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. Yes, sir. Anything for you, man. Thank you so much to Marcus Thompson for taking the time to come on. You can read his fantastic work at The Athletic. You can also read his excellent books, Golden, KD, and Dynasties. Those books are all available now. And we also, if you're interested, we did a a podcast on Golden back when it came out, which was a lot of fun. And you can also follow Marcus on Twitter, if you do not already, at ThompsonScribe, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-C-R-I-B-E. And then I didn't put Kalkami's, Tim Kalkami's information before. Of course, you can read him at The Athletic as well. All Bay Area stuff and his perspective, I mean, his insight is invaluable, not only for me as somebody who lives in the Bay Area, and while I cover the Warriors, I am still a Niners and Giants fan, and I I love him and our amazing athletic staff for those things as well. But also you can follow him on Twitter at Tim Kalkami, T-I-M-K-A-W-A-K-A-M-I, and loved having both of them on, loved having their perspective on this, and having the two of them in my media life has been so essential for any any positive things that I have done over the last decade because when I started out Marcus tells me this all the time he's like yeah you were just you were just a kid who got all of us angry because <laughs> I was I think I was 22 then and he was a little older than that because I was in law school and you couldn't have better people to look up to than them and I and to be able to call them colleagues for all these years too at the athletic is beyond a thrill and if you want to support the show there are a lot of different ways you can do it you can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast, whatever you're choosing. You can download every episode that's really great for Real GM Radio because it's never going to come out a specific day of the week. And you can use any podcast player you want, Apple, Spotify, really wherever you get your shows, you can check that out. And you can also check out my other work. Nate and I are still going incredibly strong with Dunked On and Dunked On Prime. We, you know, we, of course, did a podcast on the, on the finals and we're doing draft work. Keegan Murray most recently. So we've done five draft reviews. I think we're going to do two more is the plan. And then, of course, we'll review the draft, go into off-season mode, and you can do Dunked On Total Access through Dunked On Prime where you salary cap sheets and everything else. It's going to be an awesome run. We aren't calling any more live games anymore, though Nate might do some on playback, the awesome new program we're using for Summer League. I'm going to be attending Summer League, but he might do some games there. You can also check out my written work, like my colleagues Marcus Thompson and Tim Kawakami, at The Athletic, and hope to have some new stuff coming out actually working on something I've never done before. And the hope is that that will be ready in the next couple of days, still still working on it, and then it's going to need to go through editorial. So we'll see how quickly that can change ends. And if you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I might not reply, but I'll try my best. But thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.